What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Daily Bible Reading Snapshot. Today, we're looking at Genesis 3, 4, and 5 here in the Old Testament, then Matthew chapter 2 in the New Testament. So here in Genesis 3, everything goes wrong. This is where this perfect world, where Adam and Eve were living in a sinless, perfect relationship with each other and with God, now they choose to believe the lie that if they rebel against God, they will be happy. They believe that lie and they choose to eat the fruit that God said don't eat. Which again, God did not give them many rules. He gave them this one particular rule that said, if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. And God was telling the truth. Although Satan comes along, the serpent here, he says, comes along and tries to persuade Eve in particular that God didn't actually mean that. He says, you know what? God was actually lying to you. God just doesn't want you to be happy. That's why he's withholding those things from you, which interestingly enough is how a lot of temptation today feels. We feel as though God is withholding something that is good from us. So we desire that thing and then we go do that thing. That is often the pattern of sin. I think we see that reflected in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, 16, 17. We also see that in James chapter 1 when he says we have a desire that we go after. It's against what God wants. And then that gives birth to sin and then it leads to death. And that's exactly what happens here with Eve. So she chooses to do what's evil. She chooses to rebel against God in a pursuit to make herself happy. And it doesn't work out, uh, but she does give it to Adam. So Adam eats too, which one of the big things is, well, where was Adam in all this? Why didn't Eve talk to Adam? Eve took the fruit, took it to Adam, and they both ate. So Adam was not doing the leadership that he should have done in chapter one and chapter two. He's failing in chapter three. And it says that once they ate, they understood something about themselves. They understood their shame, which for the first time they had something to be ashamed of, which is the whole point. Because if if you're um, naked and it's like weird, like why are we, this is odd. And that's even something that happens here. They're like, we realized we were naked. And God said, well, who told you you're naked? Because if they're innocent and not sinful, there's nothing to be ashamed of in that world, right? Well, now there is something to be ashamed of. And now it's it affects like everything. They're, they're, everything is affected now by the shame of sin. And God goes and they run away from God, which is such an interesting idea because throughout, throughout all the rest of the Old Testament, people are going to be running away from God. And God is going to be pursuing and God is going to have to send his son Jesus to really pursue humanity and secure our salvation. So they run from God. They shouldn't have run from God, but they were in their sin. So it kind of made sense. But then it goes further and God will curse not just the serpent, which one thing that's interesting is right here in chapter three, verse 15, God makes the promise that one day Satan and everything that he represents will be crushed underneath the heel of a man that would come from Eve, a son, a a man that's going to come from Eve. How does that take place? Well, we're going to see that later in Matthew chapter two, that the, the, the son of Eve, so to speak, who's going to crush the head of Satan is born in a town called Bethlehem. So that's for later on. But it says also that the woman is cursed. There's things about her life that are now going to be hard. First thing is giving birth to children is going to be hard, which remember, giving birth to children was supposed to exist before the fall. So again, it didn't happen, but it was a good gift from God before the fall. But now it's going to hurt. And then it says that your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. So now there's going to be marriage conflict where Eve and every wife afterwards is going to want to take control of the relationship. And this says part of the curse is you're going to have to not have that be the case because the man's supposed to take the leadership. So that's interesting here in verse 16. Now verse 17, 
God says, Adam, you're cursed too. It's not just Eve who did this sin who's going to be cursed. It's also you, Adam, says the ground's going to be cursed because of you. Work is going to be hard. And worst of all, from dust you came into dust you shall return. And the point is, now people are going to die, which that concept was not, it just wasn't in Genesis 1 and 2. People are not dying. But now the idea of death is introduced and it's so scary and it's even scary today. Most people today are, are terrified of death. That's actually what the book of Hebrews says, that people are enslaved to a fear of death. Only Jesus can solve that problem. But here in chapter four, it says that Eve and Adam conceived a son and bore Cain. And it's interesting. She says, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. Maybe she thought that uh, the promises from Genesis 3 were going to be fulfilled in Cain. If that was her expectation, they came crashing down when Cain had a brother Abel. And Cain gave a sacrifice to God that was kind of meh. And Abel gave a sacrifice to God that was the first fruits. And it was, it was the firstborn of the flock. And it was the fat portions. And Abel gives such a great offering. God says, Abel, I love your offering. Cain meh. And Cain got mad at that. And God told Cain, hey, sin's crouching at the door. You're being tempted right now. Don't do what you're being tempted by. Don't do it. Your mom did it last chapter. Don't do it. And guess what? He does it. And he chooses to kill his brother Abel. He murders. So again, the consequences of sin, Adam and Eve sin, continue to hurt this family, the first family. And it says after this that he is driven out. So now you lost Abel because he's dead. Cain is kind of driven out uh, of this family society. Um, now it says afterwards that the Adam is going to give birth to a son named Seth. And that's the line that um, we're all going to spring from. So then chapter five, the last chapter here that we're looking at the Old Testament, it is the book of the generations of Adam. So you're going to see more lists of names. And this is important because we're all winnowing down to this guy named Noah. Because if you think about it, every last one of us that lives on the planet right now are descendants of Noah because all these other people died out because something's going to happen in tomorrow's reading. But we'll get to that tomorrow. So here in the New Testament, we're looking at Matthew chapter two. And I said, this is the time where the son is going to be born. This seed of the woman from Genesis chapter three is going to be born here in Matthew chapter two. And it says that there are wise men from the East that come looking for him. So these are probably um, the guys that were called in the Old Testament, the, the Magi, the people that Daniel was a part of their group in Babylon, probably because of Daniel and all the promises that he made. And likely Daniel had the Hebrew scriptures that he left with them. Hopefully they knew there was going to be a star that was going to come up. We even see allusions to that in the book of Numbers. So anyway, these people come looking for the king of the Jews. And Herod, who is the supposed king of the Jews, which by the way, he wasn't really even Jewish. He kind of he was like half Jewish. Um, he worked his way in and he wanted everyone to call him the king of the Jews. And these wise men from the east show up and say, hey, we heard the king of the Jews was born. And Herod's like, what are you talking about? I'm the king of the Jews. So this is a bad moment in his life. But Herod's, Herod plays them along and says, okay, well, why don't you go find him and just bring him to me and I, I, I want to worship this king when his real plot was to kill him. And it says they went to Bethlehem, they saw the star and they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And it says they gave gifts to Jesus, which is such an interesting picture that you have people and and I love that they're foreigners because it's, it's helpful. The nations come and bow to the king of Israel. That just sounds like the book of Isaiah and the book of Zechariah. I mean, that is just so rich in the Old Testament imagery of the nations are going to come in and they want to worship Jesus. And that's exactly what happens. So anyway, you see that then Herod finds out and he got mad and he sent his people to go kill all the babies under two years old, all the male children under two years old to wipe out whatever this king of the Jews is. So he does that and God has to warn Joseph 
Take your family, fly away, go away to Egypt. Not actually fly away, although it says that they had to make a quick flight, but they did not get on an airline. They, they went down to Egypt really fast. And it says later on, after Herod died, God told Joseph, hey, you can go back. And they go back to Nazareth, which is where they were from. So they spent the first couple of years actually in Bethlehem, which is why um, there's an interesting time marker here where Herod says, kill all the babies under two years old, which was according to the time that the Magi had given them, which means that when the Magi showed up in Bethlehem, Jesus was probably a year and a half, 18 months, right? He wasn't a tiny little infant anymore. He was he was like a, like a baby. He, he was a toddler almost. So that's when they go down to Egypt and they come back after Herod died. So what can we learn from all of this? Well, I think the one big thing is that Jesus coming to earth is the solution to all of our problems. Our biggest problem of death that is introduced in Genesis 3 is solved in Jesus. It's not solved yet, right? We're going to read the story of how Jesus accomplishes salvation for us. But the point is the coming of the Savior is something that we can rejoice in. And it's something we should be excited about, that God had a plan. God had a salvation plan, even from the beginning, from Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And even before that, as Ephesians 1 says, before the foundations of the world, he had this plan. But the point is, this is God's plan of salvation, and that's what we rejoice in every single day. So take joy in that today, knowing that God had a plan, and he enacted the plan. And if you're a Christian, he has included you, which is so cool. So that's all we got in our t- today's daily Bible reading. We'll see you back tomorrow for another one. Thank you.